Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP. Jazzwell Report, Mummies and Daddies, summer is here and so are the kids. No school, no homework, which means for parents like you and me, there's going to be no peace. But children are not things to be molded, rather they are people to be unfolded. And a lot of you have requested me to do a show about the best way to manage your children this summer. Some of you have expressed concerns about this whole concept of keeping children busy during the summer break. Well, I hear you. My guest today will share with us what she thinks is the right thing to do and to question what we normally do. Her name is Darby Fox, and she's one of America's leading child and adolescent family therapists who's going to share some controversial viewpoints in how we develop our children over summer break and how we can actually form a closer bond as a family over this period. Welcome to the show, Darby. Good afternoon. Thank you. I love your name, Darby Fox. It's the second best name I've heard so far. It's almost like Darby Fox on Fox News Radio. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so. It's catchy. It is catchy, right? Yes. Well, summer's here, and that's the good news, but so are the kids. So, you know, in your opinion, what are the most common misperceptions parents have about summer break? The first thing that parents try to do is, and and I will join myself, there's a kind of immediate panic in mm. thinking, oh, my God, what are we going to do? How am I going to keep them busy? Or how will I find any peace? And so we try and schedule them as much as possible. And there's a, that is one of the worst things we can do for the kids through the summer is fill their schedules with one activity after another. Well, you know, I have a little boy, and, and I'm guilty of that, and... Since I've come to this country, I mean, this whole concept of summer camp, uh, you know, we've sent him to one after the other, just kept his summer fully packed. Do summer camps actually help, or are they really a babysitting service? They are a babysitting service, and they don't help. There are specialized camps as kids get older, a specialized sports camp or thing that that can fine-tune their skills. Or, or a music camp, mm. but for the most part, it's really just about keeping the kid very busy. Oh, really? Yes. And that's one thing that we as a nation are pretty guilty of putting the kids in the camp just so that they seem full. And if it has a creative name on it, we think, oh, my God, they'll be having so much fun. But it's yeah. a misnomer. Then why has it become so necessary for a child to be busy from the morning to the evening during the summer? Do you think it's peer pressure or parent pressure? Well, I think that we have a notion that we must try and do that. But um, again, that's a real mistake. Hmm. We need to give our kids downtime and let them learn how to tolerate stuff that isn't an incredible, fancy, fun activity. And we don't do a very good job of that. Well, Darby, you know, you're talking about downtime. So does that mean the child does not need to be stimulated all the time? Yes. In fact, it's very detrimental to always be on this treadmill, this circle of stimulation. And and what are the dangers that you find uh, that can emanate from this? Well, one of them is really a neurobiological piece, when you are constantly hitting that drive, 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 one thing after another, mm-hmm. you're engaging a part of your brain that is much like a fight and flight part of your brain, the piece that is really just keeps you at your highest level of stress and your ability to just react to things. 
So you're kind of stuck in a mode where you're not thinking and processing. You're not using the front part of your brain, and you're just reacting to things. So kids become, and that's, you don't learn when you're in that mode. So counter to what we think, if we keep them super busy, they never have the ability to get out of anything but just a quick reaction to things. So they're not learning anything. But then, you know, I mean, when I used to send my son to one of these uh, summer camps, uh, they would tire him out. So he'd literally be dragging his feet when he's coming home. Um, He didn't get much of a chance to really say that he was not enjoying it. He seemed to be having fun. But is that because he's been told that he is supposed to be having fun? Well, I don't think that he necessarily isn't having fun because he's going from one activity to another. Hmm. But what you have to think about is someone has scheduled all of this for him and someone else is making the fun for him and he just has to react. So again, the problem with that is what happens if you can't afford to send your kid to camp all the time? Or if there isn't something available, what, how does your kid learn to tolerate when he's a little bit older and he's in his first job and it isn't so fun and he has to go day to day with things that aren't very exciting? Or when they're in college, we, just, we need to remember that when summer comes, mm. our goal is to teach children or help them learn what they love. What's their passion? Who are they going to be as opposed to how busy can you be? So is there a right way to entertain a child? I would, I would hesitate to say a right way. Mm. There are many ways, but you just want to think about what is your goal when you pick something to do? Is it just to keep them busy, or is this something they truly love? Are we going to learn from this? What is your goal when you pick an activity? But then, you know, I mean, I was looking at the stats for our nation, And we seem to be number 17 ranking academically internationally. So it seems what we are doing in school and out of school is not really helping us. What's your viewpoint on that? Well, I think there's a big inconsistency in in what we do. Mm. They're kind of polar opposites. So academically in school, we're very focused on test results and outcomes. But the way our brains learn, especially developing brains, is through experiencing things and in three dimensions. So if you're going into our classrooms where basically you're being taught to take a test to perform well, you don't absorb or gain all the experience around it that you should be learning. So you lose it very quickly. And it just doesn't happen to carry over from year to year. And so our way of teaching kids they're really not interested because they're not experiencing it. They don't have any first-hand sort of reaction or touch, so they don't know what they're doing. And another piece, and then we spend them, send them into the summer where we are just scheduling them with one thing or another, so they really never have an ability to think about who they are and what they're trying to develop. And you see the most successful people are people who have an idea where they want to go and who they are. I'm getting the impression you're not a fan of scheduling summer. I, I will say I'm not a fan of over-scheduling summer. Mm-hmm. I think that there are some important things to be accomplished during the summer, but I don't think you should over-schedule summer. So you can actually use this time to strengthen family bonds? Absolutely. It's a great time for that. 
So give me some tips about how to do that. Well, one of the best ways, again, when you want to strengthen a family bond, we immediately usually think of, okay, that means we all have to be together doing the same thing at mm. the same time. That's what I think. <laughs> well, that's not the way to do it, <laughs> if I can be so bold. Now, what you want to think about is how do you build a great relationship, mm. and that's about respect and communication. So it's really no different with inside the family. So what we need to think about is what time, how, how do we balance being together, and how do we balance respecting each other's needs to not be together? How can we get all of that in at one time? And that's when you have a stronger family. If you can all sit in the family room when, for example, last night there's a playoff basketball game on, how can you sit in the family room with your son or your daughters and your wife, whoever it may be, even if you're not interested, read your book, or look at your iPad, check Facebook, but you're all in the same room. You don't have to be doing the same activity. It doesn't have to be an isolated dinner where nothing's going on, but you're asking each other about your day. Because consequently, that's boring, and nobody's going to listen or hear. And, and so you've gained nothing. There's always this focus that we always have one meal a day together. Is that overrated, you think? In place of, say, sitting down like my son watches a sport, I'll be on the iPad, we'll be in the same room. Uh, we might chat a bit during the commercials. But which one's more important? Um, the latter is more important. I, I, the meal is great if, mm. if you can accomplish that, but I think the reality of sitting down and having a meal together every day as a family is outdated as opposed to using the word overrated. It just isn't how we live these days. And so we still have the same challenge of bonding and how do we do that. And again, that's about communicating. So if it's just in the same place doing separate activities and occasionally engaging, you'll get much further. You also lower the resistance from your children if they're engaged in something that they enjoy doing. So when you say bonding comes from increased understanding of each other, um, my son needs me to understand that he needs to Instagram and Snapchat and whatever he needs to do every second of the day. So during summer, do I sort of give him some slack and say, go right ahead? I think you give him a little more slack. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, those, are, those are things that their kids are going to do. All our kids are doing it all the time. Right. But we want to limit that a little bit, too, because that's a kind of false communication. So when we think about family bonding or even building relationships, we want them to have the ability to interact. And if they're always Snapchatting and Instagramming and not really focused on anything else, they have little ability to relate to people. So you really still would want to limit that. I mean, you can tighten that. You can loosen the time limits or when they can do it at night if they're up later. But you really still need to monitor screen time. You know, what's the purpose if we're all in the same room doing our own thing, but we're in the same room? What, what, what does that solve? That builds a comfort level that you can be together but not have to be in a forced activity. What we see is a lot of families, we get resistance, especially as children start to get older and into adolescence, when we tell them you have to do this or you must be here, you must do that. And it's just a natural reaction for them to kind of say, hey, no, I don't. They're tr we're trying to develop independent people. So it's really important to think, again, if I'm telling you to be independent and what you really love to do is curl up with your book while mm -hmm. I'm watching the 
you know, Golden State Warriors, then how do we do it together? And the best way is make some popcorn, sit down in the same room, and both of you enjoy what you like to do as individuals. It's almost a form of spiritual bonding, though. Being in the same room, you, know, you might not be communicating or doing the same thing. Everyone's doing their own thing. But just spiritually, you feel each other's presence. And that's a level of comfort because you're able to be who you are, but together. And that's, that's the best thing we can do. You put it really well. Spiritual bonding is what we really need as we get into adolescence and further to have a relationship with these children mm. that they understand we think they're okay and that we accept who they are and what they like to do as opposed to what we are telling them they must do or who they must be. Here's what I struggle with at mealtimes. It's always the same question from me, I guess. They never ask any questions. Um, it's always, how was your day? What would you do? And really, that's about it. I mean, can you give us some advice where you can actually, over a meal, develop a certain uh, conversation that creates a bond? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, if someone asks me how my day is, it's really pretty boring to tell you what I do in a day. So I kind of just say great or fine. And I'm not trying to be dismissive or not disclose anything, but it's a little boring. But if you sit down, there's great ways. Ask your kids about a current, any, anything that's going on in the news, any current event. Mm-hmm. Um, there was lots of discussion about Ferguson or um, the whole Caitlyn Jenner that's a very interesting topic. It's important to talk about those things and bring them into the home and discuss differences and attitudes and diversity. And dinner is a great place to do that. And you want to make sure it's an environment where no one, it's not a right or wrong. It's what do you think? There's also great games. I recommend everybody get these. They're called table topics. And it's actually really fun. They'll ask maybe moral dilemma or what's your favorite such-and-such activity, and you kind of go around the room and you ask those questions. I know that sounds kind of forced, but it's actually really fun. Okay, but going from, there are two different things, and I want to discuss these two things separately. You have the summer break and you have the summer vacation. So the summer vacation is usually a week or two weeks, but I want to focus on the summer break as a whole. How can we as parents make the summer break which is, what, two months or, or something like right. that, um, yep. seem like a great vacation. One of the things you suggested was don't overschedule. Exactly. You want to think about the summer vacation. You, you want The thing that makes it seem like a long break is a change in the routine, a change in your normal structure. So the best way to do that, and we do still have things we need to achieve, mm-hmm. I suggest to families and parents that you start early. You talk to your children, and I would do it separately because they all have different things they need to accomplish. And you look at a kind of general map and say, okay, you need to do SAT prep. When do you want to start? When when do you think this would be good? How do we work on this? Or if it's a younger child and you really have to mandate some remedial work, Mm -hmm. again, you look at the calendar and you say, hey, buddy, I'm going to give you a couple weeks off, but then we're going to need to do this. What would you like to do? Would you like to do three days a week and get it done over five weeks, or would you like to do more days and get it done sooner? What do you think? And you want to engage your kids 
in knowing that they have certain things they have to accomplish, and then the rest of it, you want to let go a little bit and ask them what they want to do. So you actually get their input and, and let them and st let them use initiative and take responsibility. It's the only way that they can learn to regulate themselves is if we allow them mm. to do it a little bit. And they can't do it completely without any guidance. So that's why I say you sit down and you kind of give them an overall view of what things look like. You help them with the time, the schedules, and what's, what's July look like. Is that this many weeks? You know, what, what are we doing? When do we go on vacation? It's very helpful for children and adolescents particularly to organize themselves if they see something on a calendar. And that is one thing I highly recommend. Kind of put it out on a calendar and look at who's, who's in town when, what's happening. And that's a great way to start to think about what does this piece of time look like and how is it going to be different. But during the summer break, how do you make each day seem like a mini vacation? With that, again, you kind of let, let the day go. Don't be so rigid with mm -hmm. what you normally do. Don't schedule a dinner time. Sort of see what people feel like. Have your kids cook dinner. Make a picnic. Go outside. Go to a park. Go to the water. Just something a little different. And, and I, I'm, you can't necessarily do it every day, but if you let go of that structure of have to be, this has to be done, we must do this, then you, everybody feels more relaxed and it suddenly does seem like a vacation. So that also means not imposing bedtimes and things like that. Right. And again, we, we don't want to just completely, I'm not, a, I, I love structure. I think we need that and we need to teach that. So I'm not suggesting you just let that all go, but I am suggesting you loosen that up. And if, if you need to have a strict bedtime and your child just can't function if they go past a certain time, what's the other piece you can give? Maybe you have them have a quiet time during the day where they can just relax and nap and they can make it a little longer. I'm not suggesting you get rid of the structure that makes your family operate. Mm -hmm. I just want people to think about how could we make it seem not so stressful? How can we let go and breathe a little bit? Okay, so... You're telling us what we should do different. But tell me what doesn't work and, and, and why. Well, it doesn't work to have it so scheduled that you're telling your kids what they're doing and where they're going and, and how it will be at every minute. Mm. Because then there's no community. You've, you've shut off all the communication. And if you think of that from a big perspective, even if you're a parent, people just don't like to do things that they're constantly told they must do. So they kind of shut off and they just go through the motions. So a lot of things we get kids just kind of going through the motions because their parents said they had to. Or they'll give a little bit of resistance and argue and fight and still just go to the activity and not be engaged. So I think it's really important that if the parent uses the, ask the kid what they want to do. Children need to have some part of their life or there's no reason for them to be engaged. There's no, there's no interest. But do you find kids are becoming lazy thinkers? Like if you ask them what you want to do, they might say whatever. Right, or they'll say it's just boring. Yeah. Well, that's because we have given them so much. We don't very often just let them hang out at the beach and figure out how to spend their day or go to the park and say, you know what, go play. I'm reading my book. Go, go play or let's go on a bark ride. We 
kids are not good at it, but that's because we haven't allowed them to be good at it. We don't expect them to entertain themselves. So in a way, if we persist with that, what you're saying is they might be clumsy at first because they're not able to sort of get used to the fact that they have to think about what they want to do. But over the next few days, they might sort of start to get into the, uh, this routine of being able to think and right. come up with better ideas. Right. And again, we help them with that. It's kind of a, a learning process. Like, mm-hmm. okay, guys, what do you want to do today? Do you like to go? And, and some of these are old-fashioned activities, but these are the best activities because they really engage all levels of thinking and interaction. And they, board games are great if it's a rainy day. People get really competitive about Monopoly. It's one of the best. Risk. Those are great things to do. Go fishing. Have a lemonade stand. Kids love that stuff. But we don't give them opportunity to create their activities very often. But then when you do give them downtime, you just let them be? Is that what you're suggesting? If they want to go on the phone or they want to go on the computer or they want to go on the iPad? Now, now that's that's different. That, again, is like someone scheduling an activity for you. Hmm. I think you must keep very strict controls on how much time they can play on their social media, their iPad, their phone, all those things keep them really connected, again, to a fairly superficial world. So we don't want that either. We really want them to have to think about what interests me, what do I like to do, and how can I get there? But then these days, you know, the concept of like when you and I were kids, we would go out and play. That's become a safety risk now. It is a safety risk to a certain extent. Mm. The world, I mean, statistically, we're not incredibly more dangerous than we used to be. But we don't let our kids just go play in the backyard. They're going to be pretty safe in your backyard. Or down the street at the park, you have whoever their supervisor is with them. If it happens to be the mom or the babysitter or they're in daycare, Mm. they're usually around someone, but just let them go play. You know, when we were kids, we never went supervised. I'd just take out the bicycle and, and off I'd go. Right. But now you need someone to supervise and things like that. But so then the default can't be have whoever's supervising the kids take them on a bike ride. Let the kids decide where they want to go on a bike ride. Say that um, we're not watching TV this afternoon. We, we're going to do something outside or we're going to go to sometimes it's a museum. Give them the parameters because mm-hmm. they're not great at completely open-ended, blank slate uh, questions. But really give them the idea that what's not okay is just sitting and playing video games and, and see what they come up with. They may be bored a couple days if they just sit there, but then they'll figure out something to do. Let them be bored, and then that will allow them the – they will start to think about, okay, how am I not going to be so bored? So in your practice, what have you seen that's emanated from a uh, misused summer break? What what have you seen families suffer from? I, I see the parents very stressed, not having a regular routine or a change schedule. It's very stressful because mm-hmm. they feel like they're they're really on a treadmill of trying to keep the kids going. Um, so they're a little irritable and cannot wait for the doors to open. 
And again, in all honesty, I've got four kids. We all kind of look for those doors to open again, whether it's the end of August or September, to a certain extent. But in the summer, you want to think about what it is that you need to do so that you can also be relaxed for these children because they, they feed off of that. So in my practice, I challenge the parents to think about how can you make it more fun? How can you relax a little bit? Well, you know, my idea of fun usually is um, being lazy, um, just relaxing, um, going for a movie or a restaurant, uh, indulging in candy, ice cream. Which is great. Incorporate that in your summer day. Hmm. Go for a walk and get ice cream. Go in, Go walk, walk to the movie theater. Anything like that. It doesn't have to be some wild. Um, we've gotten sort of into the trap of it being some kind of glamorous thing. It just needs to be something where we don't feel pressured. That's really downtime. But as my kids grown up, one of the things that's evolved is, you know, the summer camp has changed from what used to be what we thought was to entertain him and, and to wear him out. Uh, it's now become... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to actually now become a little more constructive. So if, if the child is, is weak in a particular subject, to use the summer to maybe reinforce what he was weak at, like, say, science maybe. That's, that is an excellent opportunity. Again, mm. I'm not saying that the things we need to accomplish should be thrown out the window. I'm just saying we need to balance that with other activities in order to engage the children in actually getting something. When they go, um, there used to be great science camps that kids could enroll in in the summer, but they, they, made, they got better because the camp was interesting. They did fun, experimental things. It was really engaged learning with experiments and hands-on touching and trial by error, and that made the kids want to go, and it was fun, and they could learn something. When, when you're just, if you send them to a tutor or a classroom situation and tell them they must do it, they're not engaged. They're physically present. Mm -hmm. They are not mentally there. But then, is it wrong if every week I engage him in something? It could be science one week, then it could be a sport, then it could be something else, something else. So all the way through summer, he doesn't actually have a free week. Well, I would suggest he, he should have some free time. Everybody mm. needs some downtime. And the switching of activities is all right if – are they things he wants to do or are they things that you want him to do? Is it what you want him to be really good at or is it something that he's interested at in? Excuse me. Um, well, I guess on the academic side, children aren't really that keen, like, you know, oh, I must – Strengthen, right, I must uh, strengthen my, my skill, but I guess if they're playing a sport or they like a particular instrument, um, then they'd probably be more acceptab acceptable to that. Right. Th those are the dilemmas I have. But, and, and the other dilemma is each one costs money. They can become incredibly expensive. Mm. And summer tends to be more expensive than any other season of the year. So that's where I want to see, you know, um, is there a balance? There is a balance. 
I cannot stress enough mm. that if there is no buy-in from your son or my daughter, if there's no buy-in from the children, it's a complete waste of money and time, somebody's time, because you're probably taking somebody else's spot. So what you have to do is have a conversation, figure out what it is that is of interest and where where you're going to go with that. You see, one thing I find that if I was a kid, um, and mentally I am, but <laughs> if, if I was a kid, uh, right the day after school, the weekend after that, when the weekday starts, I'm, I'm, I'm in a new summer camp. Right. Should, don't you recommend, I mean, I would love to have where I just had a week because I just finished my exams at school, blah, blah, blah. Just a week doing nothing, catching up with friends, enjoying the weather. Where uh, I see just a lot of kids with, from a lot of families go right in. You know, school finishes on a Friday and the following Monday they're in, in summer camp. I think, that's, I think that's a huge mistake. I absolutely think it's a must that once the school year ends, mm. We need a transition period, and the weather changes. It's light late. We've had a particularly horrible winter here in the Northeast. It's the best time to just not have any rules. No, You don't have to get up at a certain time. You don't have to do this. And then you can engage in, okay, we need to do our summer reading. We need to, you know, whatever it is that you have to do, mix it with the good stuff once you've actually just taken a break and let everything go for a couple weeks. Let's talk about summer vacations. When I was a kid growing up, my parents would send me either to my cousins because it was free or right. we'd, we'd go for educational vacations, like, as I like to call that, because we'd go to places <laughs> where, you know, a lot of museums and artifacts. And, you know, between, How did you like that education? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, you know, between you and me, I'm a very shallow person. I have the attention span of a lightning bolt and I suffer from great intellectual intellectual suppleness and moral maneuverability. You know, um, I recall hating those trips because, you know, my parents always felt that whatever they had to do for me had to have an educational element to it. And then I just grew up to be a rebel and became a party animal, really. Uh, and now, you know what, I just and like you're to... you're coming back to censor? Yeah. <laughs> and now I just like to marinate myself on a beach with a masseuse. <laughs> well, you there's nothing wrong with that. But if you think back on that, that Mm. summer vacation, I mean, your parents probably felt they were doing the right thing by providing some education. But you you didn't really see it as relaxing. And so, again, I think we as parents miss asking our kids about what it is that might seem like a great activity. The whole family will be happier if everybody's getting to do something they kind of enjoy. And obviously there's monetary limitations, there's time limitations. I'm not just saying ask your kids what they want to do and let them, you know, it's a free-for-all. But really balance that. Say, hey, guys, you know, we have a couple days. This summer we don't have money. We're not going on a big trip. Mm. So what is it that you want to do? Do you want to go camping for a couple nights? We could borrow some equipment. Do you guys want to just go to the beach and hang out, maybe go to a couple movies? What is it that you want to do? And when when anybody, but particularly children, feel that they've been heard and they're part of the plan, that's really exciting for them. You know, I, I get that. And, and, and when I look back 
and I have to use personal experience because I'm not going to talk for anyone else. Um, when I look back on my own vacations, those educational, touristy vacations, I, I don't think they did anything for me. Right. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy it, you know, walking around with a fanny pack and, and, and you know, uh, standing in line and, 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 and to see something like a decapitated statue of Venus in Rome and things like that. Um, and my son, you know, him and I get on very, very well because he told me once, you know what, all my friends are going camping. So I said, uh, how about you and I go camping? And he said, uh, great. And, and my idea of a camp was going and staying at a hotel in Miami Beach. <laughs> and it's true. Him and I, you know, we, we try and have a three-day, two-night annual vacation where it's just the, you know, father and son bonding. Which is, you bring up a great point. That's another great way in the summer to change things up and enjoy the kids, especially as your children age. Mm. You may not, you've got one son. I have four kids, two girls, two boys, and uh, varying ages. And it's very hard to get everybody to agree on what they want to do. So if I throw up my own advice, which is, oh, just ask everybody, it could be a disaster if Mm. I tried to make everybody fit into one thing. I go away with the girls sometimes and do things they want to do. Sometimes I just go with one son and one daughter who like certain stuff. You can change it up that way. And the fact that two kids don't have to participate in something they don't want to do and the others get to is vacation for everybody. Yeah, because I guess I've I've molded my son in my own way. Because his idea of camping was very different from when we got off the plane. And landed at the hotel. And I said, you know, son, I said... This is the way I camp. This is the way I camp. And I'm not a great fan of using the porta potty You know, that's just not me. Um, And now he he refuses to go camping with with anyone else. So it... it, it, But But look what you've done. I mean, you've created a really nice thing. I mean, everybody doesn't love to camp. Hmm. So... That's really not the point. But you've created something that's kind of a joke or a bond between the two of you. You have a great way of camping. You fly to Miami or someplace to a great beach, and you just relax and do what you want to do with your son. And that's your camping. And that's all that you really need. Whatever you call it, that's what's important. And for those who can't afford vacations, I mean, you know, we're living in a troubled economy at the moment. Um when, when, when your clients come to you and, and obviously they can't, some, some can't afford a vacation, how, what do you advise them? If, if they can't afford a vacation to go away somewhere, mm. which many, many people can't, and most of us can't all, all the time anyway, you, you, I suggest that you schedule the time. If you're, if you're taking some time off of work, mm-hmm. Sit down, maybe uh, make a bucket list. Say, hey, what is it that's around here that we never really get to do? Is there a certain hike? Is there a movie? Is there a theater group? What is it that I don't get to do very often when I'm just at home working every day and you guys go to school every day? Let's put down a couple things we'd love to do and look at the week. See, see what we can fit in. And everybody will come up 
ask each person to put in something they'd love to do and kind of put parameters around it. You don't have to spend money. Kids love having other families over. Have everybody come for a big family picnic. Everybody bring something, a potluck. Don't impose bedtimes. Let kids have s'mores and run around with sparklers. They think that's like a huge holiday. They don't care if they're someplace different or in a fancy hotel. You can do anything like that. Go out for ice cream. Let them have ice cream twice in one day. Make it kind of a joke. It's, it isn't about being someplace different and expensive. It's about changing your routine and feeling like you just don't have that pressure you face every day. So just making each day different each day different and some days you don't even have to make it different some days kids just love to sit at their house wear the pajamas all day not really care when they eat or what they eat if they want to just eat cereal all day let them eat cereal all day and you know some parents might be single parents and they might be sort of thinking about when they're listening to both of us saying that's easy because you you know, you, if you have two parents, it's just a regular family and, and things like that. But the single parent needs to obviously go to work so they can't leave the kid at home. Um, what's your advice to people in those circumstances? It's very hard for single parents to try and find any way to get that kind of relief because there's just a lot more responsibility. Mm. But again, a great way for a single parent to approach the vacation or getting a break or even just their daily schedule is to enlist the team approach. It's a little different when there's only one parent, and you really need to ask your kids to be part of the team and say, hey, I need your help. Single parents particularly are reticent to ask their kids for help because they feel guilty that they're alone or guilty they're working, so they don't really rely on their kids more. Kids want to see you happy. So if they could help, if they could make dinner one night and give you a little bit of break, they love that stuff, but we really don't ask for that from our children. So that's the first thing I suggest is single parents, ask for the help you need. Let your kids respond. Let them fold the laundry. It won't look the way you do, but who cares? In the end, you didn't have to do it, and they think they're helping you. Kids really do usually want to help and give back. So I, I would look at it from that way. Go on a picnic, take the dinner you were going to make at night, and go and head to the park. Eat the dinner in the, in the park and, you know, throw away the mess when you're done. Don't have dishes to go back to. Change things up that way. Again, you don't have to have money. Lie in your bed. Eat the food in your bed and watch a movie with your kids. Just let go of some of your rigidity and some of your guilt, and you'll see everybody's happier. Do you find kids from single-parent families are more responsible, use more initiative? Because, obviously, the single parent relies on them to sort of, you know, do their fair share. I think that that, that could be, I think you can see that more often in those families. Mm -hmm. It's more likely to happen when everybody does have to chip in and they are given more sense of responsibility that way. I, I hate to make a generalization, but certainly one thing, that a, a really strong point, if, if you'll let me go off topic just a little bit, that sure. I want to make about summer is we need to think about what we're trying to do with these children. We're not just trying to build resumes or push them a certain direction. We're trying to 
develop these these people that can grow up and regulate on a day-to-day basis in a not so fun elaborate world all the time so what we need to do is build their resiliency and let them delay a little gratification and ask them to participate and work and the single parents have to do that a little more just because they don't have anybody so you see those kids may be more resilient or may they've struggled some hardship more so what we need to do is take that and look at it as an example of how in the summer we can build on those things for our kids and that is by letting them do more for themselves like a single parent would have to so single parents don't have to feel guilty that they can't do all the other stuff it's actually a benefit you actually brought up a very interesting point um that parents are concerned about resume building for the college and sometimes they use the summer to pad the resume do you find that often I see it all the time on a daily basis. Mm. And the problem with that is once the children get to the point of adolescence are actually applying to college and then they have these incredible resumes and they start to get back rejection letters, they don't know what they did wrong. They don't know who they are. It's horrible. And what we have to remember is you they're applying to all these colleges that acceptance rates are the highest levels are seven percent nine percent even you know competitive schools 18 percent that basically means most of the children or kids that apply are not getting in so we have to keep that in mind so when we've built this incredible resume what the college admissions people see there is just a piece of paper with a bunch of activities on it they need to choose the kids that they can see have some passion or connection or some depth that isn't just those resume builders. So that's where parents need to think, again, what am I trying to do? Allow your children to find a passion and have them pursue that passion as opposed to a resume for college. So not what you've done, but who you are. It's who you are. It's about the process, not the end result, not the Ivy League college resume. It's about who are you? What do you have to offer? Because I get these kids and, you know, they'll come to me and say, you know what, um, can you get us connected with an internship, blah, blah, blah. Right. And there's one kid that came up to me and said, I don't, I'm not looking for an internship. I want to create my own company and give myself an internship, which I thought was magical. Exactly. I mean, that on paper would look like you're using your own initiative, using your own resources, and, 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 and your own creativity. And then he has some vested interest. Mm-hmm. He's asking you to help him do something he is interested in. And it's going to show that all of that is going to just radiate when he writes an essay about it, because it's real. Now, earlier on in, in our conversation at the beginning of the show, we talked about how America seems to be slipping in the ranks academically, internationally. You know, we, uh, I think we said we're in 17th in, right. in, in the world. Um, this whole summer break thing, uh, this non-routine, non-scheduling, being less rigid, um, 
should not go right up to the last day of summer, right? No. And again, Vip, uh, I have consistently said the things that you have to do, Mm -hmm. you you don't take those off the burner. I'm not saying those go away. I'm saying you plan for those. You say to your kids up front, these are the things we must accomplish, which is reading, doing your summer reading or your vocab words, whatever it is, your math facts so that you don't see a huge summer slide. Whatever those academic pieces are that, and they're very, should be very individual, mm-hmm. need to be done. They needed to be planned for. I am a huge proponent that you give a couple weeks off without any suggestion that they have to do that. And then you say, okay, you know what? I am sorry. Nobody wants to study math facts, but we got to do it. So how's the best way? Let's look at this. I, I needed a start. I think it's best if we start July 15th or August 1st, and we do it every day August 1st. If we start July 15th, you have to do it three times a week. Whatever it is, you show them that there are choices, and the choices can be theirs, but the, they still have to accomplish the task. Again, we're teaching them how to handle situations as they grow up. When you get a work project, you can't just put it off till the last minute. You've got to say, okay, how am I going to get this done? The sooner we teach these kids these kind of management skills, mm-hmm. this is what will get us back to the top of the educational piece because we'll be teaching children how to learn and how to manage themselves. So in a way, during summer, phase out a bit, and then maybe two, three weeks before school starts, start to phase back in. Right. In terms of your studying and in terms of your sort of routine, you know, you, right. don't, you don't want to get a shock on the day of waking up at uh, 7 o'clock in the yeah, morning. kind of, you know, back the no bedtimes if you've let them go or if you're letting, you know, them stay up a little later than they normally do, start mm-hmm. to back it down so it's not crushing. But... Um, with the reading, I also think it's so important to read all the time. You gain so much. Mm-hmm. Kids really, especially I found boys are more resistant to read in the summer. But I really think if you find creative ways to get them to read, it's okay if all they want to do is read sports statistics. Let them just read sports statistics, but let them read. And, and ask them to, instead of reading just a silly sports book all the time, you want them to increase their vocabulary. Does it have to be a book? Can it be an iPad? Can they read an iPad? Absolutely. An iPad is, is great. Something that's interactive, where they, they'll, they'll hear new words, they'll see new words, they'll be exposed to some very different things. It doesn't matter if it's a book. Well, tell me very quickly, I mean, in your practice, what is it uh, that you're working on now? Right now, I'm doing a lot of work teaching the skills to parents about how to communicate with the kids that we've talked about now, mm-hmm. which is incorporating your, your kids' opinions in things. What does your child feel about you and about how things are in your family so we can be structured together? So that's what I'm working on a lot as a little bit of a different perspective for teaching parenting. And how can parents get in touch with you? They can reach me. Um, there's a few different ways. If uh, The website is at darbyfox.com, all one word. At Darby? Ask, no, ask as in oh, ask, ask Darby. Ask Darby dot com. Yep. Yep. And the Twitter is very similar. It's just at Ask Darby Fox. 
Everybody asks you everything, okay? Yeah, exactly. I, I get asked all the time. <laughs> and then the email is Darby at DarbyFox.com. And I see people all over mm-hmm. of the country, actually, but mostly in the tri-state area. And I, and I love doing um, home visits. I learn so much more that way that I can actually really help change systems and help the family when I can be in their presence and in their home environment. So that's what I love to do. What's been your success rate? Um, Pretty high? Pretty high. I I love working as a connection. My job isn't to look at what is wrong with someone, especially children, and say, this is what's wrong with you, I'll fix you. I look at what's not connecting? What doesn't seem to be going right for the family or for the child? What? And then we say, what are your strengths? What do you do really well? And then we can find a way to make the strengths overcome whatever the weakness is. So you're like a relationship detective. And that's a great, that's a great term for it. I've never used that, but I like that. You can use it. Say you got it from the VIP Jazz World Report on Fox <laughs> I'm gonna, News I'm Radio. I'm going to credit you with that. Absolutely. No, it's, it's really about people want to do well. They want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure out how they can best achieve that. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Darby. Thank you very much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. That was a wonderful Darby Fox. Your comments and your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter account and my Facebook page. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives. With the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week, I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your loved ones. And until next Sunday, have a productive and a very happy week ahead.